Hey everyone, this is Brian Pelletier, and welcome to Extraordinary, the Healthcare Leadership Podcast. Hey, hey, Extraordinaires. This week, we talk with Dr. Chelsea McDonald, a pharmacist and PGY1 resident at the Memphis VA in Memphis, Tennessee. We discuss a range of topics from leadership development, mentoring, and graciously receiving feedback. Please enjoy responsibly. All right. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for being interested and available to be on this podcast. And I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. To start off with, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to right now? Sure, of course. Um, I graduated from the University of Connecticut this past May, go Huskies, uh, and I received my doctorate of pharmacy this year along with my bachelor's of science two years prior. I spent six years total in stores. It was really my home away from home, even though I grew up about 20 minutes down the road. And like many fourth-year pharmacy students are about to do, I researched a number of residency programs last fall. And after a number of interviews, presentations, flights, calls to my mentors, I was lucky enough to match with the Memphis VA Medical Center, which is where I am now. Their residency program has been around since the early 1960s. So they definitely have plenty of experience training pharmacists in the field. And they really had a number of other things that I was looking for in a program. So it was a perfect match. Um, So I packed up my tiny Subaru, drove halfway across the country, moved in right next to the Mississippi River, and have been loving things down here since. Even though there's a lot of months to go, it is that time of year again to start looking at kind of things for June and beyond. So I've just started looking at second-year residency programs, leaning potentially towards ambulatory care or geriatrics, but still to be determined. And as you're going through that process again, what were some of the things that you learned the first time around in terms of applying and what can you, or what tools and tactics did you figure out along the way that you can use this time around to make it a little bit easier? I think the two big things were preparing for interviews and really knowing my goals going into it. So in terms of preparation, the whole process was a little overwhelming, especially the first time that I went through it. Uh, So a lot of my preparation came right down to the deadline, right before we have our uh, ASHP mid-year event every year, kind of preparing for researching residency programs you might be interested in. So this year, I'm trying to start a little bit earlier. I know kind of what I have in mind already. So I think that kind of sets me ahead of where I was last year. Um, But I think more importantly, just kind of recognizing what my goals are this year. I think I did a pretty good job last year of making a, a master list of what I was looking for, what I didn't want in a program, and trying to match that up with what I was looking at. Um, So one of my big ones was trying to find a program that was the right size for me. And at one point, I was considering a few that only had one or two residents maybe, but really that didn't match with my goals. And I'm glad I didn't go that route because right now I have a really great group of uh, seven of us that are first-year residents and two that are second-year residents. And we're really our own little pharmacy family right now. So little things like that where you really know yourself better than anyone else and just kind of keeping that in mind when you put those goals together will help you navigate the hundreds, if not thousands of programs that are out there. And and so that brings up another question I had is, what has been one of the biggest adjustments or changes that you've had to make as that transition? First, from New England to Tennessee, which you kind of mentioned earlier, 
was a place that you spend most of your time and, and then academically what are some of the shifts that you had to make I think kind of personally and geographically, the, the big thing to adjust to was the humidity down here. But otherwise, Memphis hasn't been too different from New England. Um, kind of tough having most of my network of friends and family up in New England. But with technology today, that's really not a problem. Um, but really, the, the bigger adjustment was more professionally. Um, I think it's a little unrealistic in retrospect, but I originally expected to kind of feel a significant difference transitioning from student to resident. And I used to always joke that I thought I'd know everything by the day of graduation and just be good to go. And sadly, I'm slowly realizing that's not the case. Uh, many days, I still kind of feel like a student on rotations now, just because I'm still always learning and asking a lot of questions. Uh, there's really no textbook for how to succeed in the workplace. And your work is really never done when it comes to healthcare. But I think I'm right now kind of realizing the difference between where I was last year and where I am now. Um, and whether it's really your first job or if you're changing positions mid-career, there's always going to be that learning curve. But at this point, I've graduated, I've passed my boards, I realize I have the toolkit that I need to succeed. And the degree makes a difference, but really it's coming down to more just confidence level for the year. So I think that's really been what I've been focusing on most over the last couple months. And what are some of the things that you've tried to work on that help your confidence? I think just kind of stepping out of my comfort zone, whether it be kind of with my co-residents, with my preceptors or on rotation. Um, I know when I first started, my first rotation was in geriatrics and it was kind of a tough team to jump in with my recommendations. So the first few days or so, I would kind of maybe pull the resident aside and make my recommendations. But kind of as the month went on, I tried to push myself to be more outspoken on rounds, to really do my research ahead of time. So if they had any follow-up questions, I could kind of argue my case there and really kind of grew a rapport with the team as the month went on and it became much easier. So I think that encouraged me to do kind of the same process for some of my future rotations, kind of get the lay of the land and then work my way up to the point where I felt comfortable discussing important patient care decisions with everyone. And, and I think along the same line, you know, we talked a little bit about teaching and your first experience that you had with that maybe four or six weeks ago. And either in that example or over the, the five months or so, what has been some of the, the more difficult or the tougher feedback that you have received? The lecture that I gave stands out to me most. We had discussed this a little while back, but we do have a teaching learning program through our residency program. So I was actually able to give a lecture on just the introduction to diabetes to some of the first year pharmacy students down here. And speaking in public isn't really one of my strong suits. And that kind of plays into my goals in academia as well as my goals in healthcare. So something that I'm definitely willing to have some feedback on. And part of our process of giving these lectures is to get handwritten feedback at the end of the lecture. Little did I know there's about two to 300 students in the class, so I had a lot of feedback to dig through. But I, I really appreciated just how honest they were um, in terms of ways to, that I could improve. Definitely speed. I think I get a little caught up in myself when I get excited about a topic. Um, but also things just like some of the technical things like raising my voice a little bit more, trying to incorporate more questions into my presentation style. Um, but I did appreciate the positive feedback as well, just them recognizing that 
Uh, I worked, worked hard to put the presentation together. I was definitely knowledgeable in what I was presenting. So I think it was a good balance of good criticism and bad criticism and just kind of taking that and moving forward. I'm looking, looking forward to doing another presentation and hopefully improving on where I was a couple months ago. And what, what do you think is some of the, the benefits of, of hearing some of the feedback? And are you finding ways that you could repurpose some of that information to either reciprocate that to other people? And you know, it sounds like you're already making the steps to, to really listen to what they're saying and to improve upon it next time. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to kind of having that solid feedback in front of you. Most situations that you're going to be in, you really don't have that feedback. Usually you have to ask for it. So I'm definitely grateful to have had that pretty much immediately after I gave that presentation. So just kind of having that to kind of have a baseline of where I started. A lot of what they had written was, they were different things that I had already realized I could improve upon, but being able to see it in writing and see it come from multiple people showed me what was most important to focus on and what was most important to other people in terms of my presentation style. Um, I think it also kind of helps me target where I want to go in terms of my um, kind of teaching and mentorship style in the future as well. I know that feedback is important, whether you're a student or you're in the workforce. So when it comes time for me to preset students on rotations or maybe go into the classroom again, I definitely want to give feedback frequently along the way and make sure that students know where they are and where they could be and make sure they know that I'm there to help. So I think I've, I've learned that from mentors in the past and I've learned that from the feedback that I've gotten so far this year. And, and when you're looking to mentor people, what do you think is the perspective that you're going to take when you're, you're having conversations with them? I guess it's important to kind of figure out, depending on the situation, but kind of figure out where they are at baseline, what they want to get most out of the experience that they're having. So a lot of the, the students that I'll be mentoring will be in a clinical setting. So assessing at the beginning of their rotations, what they want most out of the rotation and what I can do to help get them there. Um, and then kind of re readdressing that throughout the month that I have them, see if they're reaching their goals, if there's anything that I think they can improve upon as well. But really when it comes to mentorship, I think it's more about the the mentee than the mentor. The mentor is really there to to help guide, but the mentee is the one that that knows where they want to be at the end of the experience. So I think that's important to recognize. And and so I wanted to take a step back for a moment. There's something that I that I came across and wanted to ask you about. When you were in high school, you wrote something for school about a murder mystery and who killed Mother Goose. And I did, yeah. <laughs> and so I was I know it's a little bit off topic, but it seemed something interesting uh, how you, or just to hear about that, that story, what you worked on, and it looks like if I'm interpreting it correctly, that you kind of turned the, the story into trying to identify murder suspects for some of these nursery rhymes. Yes. So it was uh, one of many projects that came out of a creating, creative writing class that I was in in high school that I absolutely loved. And my best friend and I had the opportunity to help with, I believe it was their second or third annual murder mystery that they held for the entire school and parents to come and things like that. Um, and it was nice just because up until that point, I was really focused on science and math, kind of had the idea that I wanted to go into healthcare. And this was just kind of completely different from what I had done before. And just kind of being able to step out of my comfort zone a little bit and 
work with people in the school that I really hadn't had a chance to work with before. It was it was a really interesting experience. And yeah, so we basically developed a murder mystery that we had students sign up to be actors. And they basically performed this play that my best friend and I wrote. And throughout it, we had different clues spread out. And at the end, the people in the audience got to uh, kind of guess who they thought the murderer was. And we had a bunch of prizes for who guessed it correctly. And I actually got to play the detectives throughout the play as well. So not only did I get to work on my writing, but a little bit of acting, which was a little rough at that point. But no, we were really proud of what we did. And I think it helped me a lot just in terms of confidence, definitely writing style when it comes to anything that I have to write now. Although unfortunately, it's mostly mostly patient notes, not so much creative writing anymore, but still useful. But just overall, it was a really interesting experience. And I think it, it taught me to really continue to step out of my comfort zone and not shy away from opportunities like that, just because it was so rewarding. For me, a couple things that, that stand out. So one is this creative side to you that I don't necessarily see all the time. And the second is re-emphasizing the openness to trying new things. As an example, and you, if you want, you can expand on this too, but during school breaks, you would go down south and either work for, was it Habitat for Humanity, or you would work and build houses. So that was actually another interesting opportunity that I stumbled across my, my freshman year of high school. Um, kind of happened on a whim. Uh, one of my friends on my floor had just said that there was an, uh, it was honors across state borders um, that had an opening and they did different alternative spring breaks around the country. And they happened to have an opening. I happened to have a free spring break. And that year we traveled down to Mobile, Alabama and worked with Habitat for Humanity. And pretty much my first day, I was put up on a roof with a hammer and nails and was helping to build, build a house from scratch for a family that we were fortunate enough to meet while we were there. And it was just really interesting to to be able to do something like that, to work with such an amazing group. There were about 50 of us down there or so, see a different state, be able to meet the people down there and see kind of what they needed. I think it relates to healthcare a little bit just because I am so focused on targeting people that do need care, that do need help. And this was just a different way of doing that. Instead of with medications, it was with tools and ladders and hammers and all of that. But um, definitely learned a lot. And yeah, I think that was another really good example of just trying to steer away from healthcare every once in a while, kind of get out of the, the mouth and science zone that I'm always in. And you'll be surprised to see how, how things overlap and how much you can learn from things that you're not familiar with. And I think, again, that brings up another good point. And from a leadership perspective, what are some of the opportunities that you're looking at now where you can learn from outside of your current industry? Right now, it's kind of a little tougher than it was in school, just because at UConn, there were I think five or 600 organizations on campus. Even within the School of Pharmacy alone, there were about a dozen or so. So it was very easy to get involved, to meet professional network, uh, to get that leadership experience. And I think kind of once you're out in the workforce, it's kind of a little different where you have to carve out your own path and see what opportunities there are. So right now I've kind of kept it local. I've gotten involved in a few kind of Memphis pharmacy organizations and I've stayed involved in Lambda Kappa Sigma uh, professional pharmacy fraternity that I was involved with in school. 
definitely interested in getting more leadership positions and getting back into that mode because right now it's a, a lot of working and a lot of kind of focusing on the projects that I have, but it would be nice to, to be able to step away from that every once in a while. And <laughs> along the same lines of, of the leadership piece that you were just talking about, what were, or I guess how has the leadership training you went through at UConn help to guide you where you are right now? Well, to be honest, I don't really know where I'd be without it. Probably not in my residency program right now because uh, UConn itself and UConn Pharmacy especially, I think leadership is really ingrained into our curriculum and just into everyday life on campus. Um, our faculty were really excellent role models when it came to kind of contributing to the profession, to leadership, to our program itself. Um, so they really kind of set the bar high for us and Kind of like I said before, there were a number of organizations to get involved with. The pharmacy program itself was really kind of a microcosm of everything outside of, of our building. And we just had so many moving parts and so many things to get involved with that it was hard not to. And in addition to doing things like those alternative spring breaks, I got the opportunity to do a lot of, a lot of really interesting extracurricular activities. One of my favorites was the urban service track. Uh, which is an interprofessional co-curricular track that involves different healthcare students between the University of Connecticut and Quinnipiac University. So altogether, there was pharmacy, medicine, dental medicine, social work, nursing, and physician assistants, all kind of taking part in outreach opportunities specifically targeted at urban underserved populations in Connecticut. And through that track, I had a lot of experience with leading my own outreach projects, leading health fairs, kind of mentoring younger students in our program. So that was a, a really big part of at least the last few years that I had in, um, in stores. And I think that in addition to things like Lambda Kappa Sigma, like I mentioned before, kind of having a lot of leadership roles in that as well, that really helped to develop at least the confidence level that I have now that I'm still trying to work on this year. I don't think there's really an end to that. But if I hadn't had that, I would have been starting starting this residency program a lot less prepared than I am right now. I think there's a lot of aspects to residency where you just kind of get thrown into it and it's maybe a little bit of sink or swim. And at this point, not really doggy paddling anymore because of what I learned at UConn. I think I'm, I'm making good strides and kind of picking up what I need to to, to succeed. And going back to LKS and a lot of the different organizations that you were involved in, what were some of the leadership skills that you have learned and are using for yourself now? I think a big one is time management. Uh, that's definitely coming in handy this year, especially because I was juggling a lot of different positions my last year of pharmacy school. So I was president of Lambda Kappa Sigma. I was part of the yearbook committee. I was part of uh, a leadership society on campus secretary for the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists, kind of a number of things, was also working on mentoring different students and hosting tutoring events and things like that, um, on top of doing those alternative spring breaks. So I think just through that, being able to keep a really good calendar was very important. Being able to work with a lot of different people was very important too. With LKS, we had a chapter of about 60 to 70 girls at any given time, whereas some of the other organizations may have been much smaller. So I had to kind of learn how to keep the attention of a bigger group 
and how to motivate groups of, of a number of different sizes. And I think kind of no matter which organization it was, it really came down to motivating the members. There, there was only so much that I could do in a leadership position with that title. A big part of all of the events that we hosted and all of the things we were able to accomplish came from the number of members and the amount of work that they put in. So if anything, my leadership roles kind of taught me that it's it's a lot of kind of behind the scenes stuff that you have to do in order to get things to work. But the most important part is really getting to know your members and motivating them to to want to make a difference with you. And taking a, a slightly different perspective on, on that question, I'm also curious about what other people's perspective is when they see you as a leader. What are things that they think about or what are things that you suspect that they're seeing? That's a good question. I would say I'm not your typical leader just because I'm normally pretty reserved. Um, I think, like you said before, kind of quiet, kind of don't really show that that creative side every all that often. But I think through the leadership positions that I had, I kind of learned to to use my own strengths to develop my own leadership style. And it may be a little different from your typical kind of outspoken person that's willing to gather a group together. But once I get involved in an organization and really get to know the members, I think they really notice my dedication to the task that I have at hand. And I think that that speaks volumes. I think it's it's loyalty to what I'm involved with the time that I put into it and just really being there for whatever anyone needs. So kind of wrapping up a little bit, but uh, when, when you think of someone with great leadership, who is it and what specifically comes to mind? I think that's kind of a tough question just because I've met a lot of people throughout school and throughout kind of my, my work experiences that would be considered great leaders, may not have had the the title of leader, but have shown really good qualities. But to be honest, I think you would be kind of one of the leaders that I've noticed has gone above and beyond since I've met you, which was a number of years ago. And it's it kind of goes back to not really paying attention to that title, which you did have, and being a leader in your workplace and in different organizations, but really taking that to the next level and being more of a mentor and a motivator. And you yourself are oftentimes stepping out of your comfort zone, really focusing on self-reflection and motivating other people. I know you have for me for a number of years. So when I think of leadership, I think of a lot of what you've taught me. So just the fact that you're doing this podcast now and have invited me on is is a really great compliment because much of what I've learned has come from you. Well, thank you. As always, you are very kind. And, and it's actually a pleasure having this conversation because I have been, have been thinking about it and spending some time preparing for our conversation and realizing that most of the time when we talk, I do most of the talking. And <laughs> this is allowing me to do more listening, which is very helpful for me. So thank you. Of course. I would say we normally have a good balance, though. As a, as a quick summary you kind of highlighted some really good points about going above and beyond having dedication to not only the profession, but to the people that you are seeking to serve. And and those are all things that you have shown a very strong ability in. And it's certainly something that a lot of us can learn from. So I, I greatly appreciate you summarizing that for us and, and sharing it with everyone. And I appreciate being able to to talk a little bit more about it. And hopefully as the year goes on, year goes on and kind of I figure out what I'm doing for 
for next year and beyond, I'll have some more, more examples to talk about. I will look forward to hearing about those. That concludes our show. Thank you for listening, and more importantly, thank you for being extraordinary.